Let's talk to interesting people. Let's talk about the process of seeing things differently. Let's talk about the craft of molding truth and fiction together to arrive at something new and exciting. And let's have fun while doing it. Welcome to the True Fiction Podcast. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of True Fiction. Yes, sir. We are True Fiction. Um, here along with my uh, creative partner, Norbert. Today, we get to talk to Rick Sotobayer, a uh, amazing uh, relationship counselor. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. How are you all doing? We're doing fine. Doing well. Doing well. Let's talk about um, let's talk about your job. What what now? Uh, I said relationship uh, counselor, but what do you call it? I'm a relationship, a dating and relationship coach. Coach. And I and, and I, I, I want to clarify that that I, I have to be very careful about using the word the term counselor or therapist because those are um, licensed. Um, you know, uh, PhDs and masters and, and, and whatever. Um, I, I'm a coach, basically a life coach on steroids. <laughs> and what I do is I help, I help singles make better decisions about the people they date and the relationships they get into. And it, and it started uh, about seven years ago. I actually started a little bit longer than that ago. Um, I've been a student of self and relationship improvement for, um, well, gosh, it's almost it's about 37 years now. And it, it started very, very um, innocuously, I think is the term. Uh, I started studying marketing and sales and because that's, that's what I've done for almost 40 years. And it just kind of developed and morphed into um, learning more about myself and becoming a better, a better man, a better husband, a better father. Yeah, I just recognized it as a passion. I was a financial advisor for over 20 years, and I had more passion about about self-help and relationship improvement and uh, than, than I did about financial planning. Don't misunderstand me. I knew all the stuff, um, you know, studied all the CFP stuff, but... Um, I, 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 I much, I would much rather read a good self-help book than, than studying the markets or finance. <laughs> and so about, about seven years ago, things came to a head. I was kind of bored with, with being a financial advisor and a friend challenged me and she says, well, what is your passion? I started laying things out a couple of weeks later. It took me a little while to think about it, but a couple of weeks later, I started laying out the premise for a book because at the time I had recently gone through a divorce and recognized, you know, the divorce rate and all, and, and you know how high the divorce rate is, and recognized that there were there are so many books out there on how to fix broken relationships. And it dawned on me there's almost nothing out there on how to find the right one, so that you don't have to invest a lot of time trying to fix a broken relationship because by the time you're you're there, you almost you have almost nothing to work with. And so my premise was that if we find the right one up front, you know, life on the uh, on the married side is going to be so much easier. And so I was laying this premise out to her and and she started laying out some really or throwing some great ideas back at me. I stopped and said, hey, why don't you help me write the book? She stopped and said, hey, OK. So three days later, we had a working outline and we were off to the races. And two, about two months into the writing, I said, yeah, this is what I want to do when I grow up. After that, I retired, sold my financial planning practice, and I haven't looked back since. 
So that's a really long answer to a short question. That's perfect. The people I work with, they're they're truly looking for help. They're truly looking to move forward. You know, they recognize that they're making mistakes, but like most of us, you know, we don't know what we're missing. We don't know that missing missing component or components. And that's why you see um you know, people taking tennis lessons, golf lessons, um, you know, you know, professional athletes have coaches, you know, uh, uh, CEOs and, and business people have coaches because they want to get better. They want to see the things that, that they're missing. You know, it, it, you know, a good, a good tennis coach or a good, uh, a good golf coach will watch your swing and he will see the minute details in your swing and show you how to correct things or make things better. I do the same thing um, just on a, on a relationship level. I can see the, the minute things that you're doing or that your partner is doing that, that are causing, causing you to butt heads. And, you know, in, in a very short period of time, I can, I can uh, lay out a, 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 basically a structured plan for you on how to move forward. So, so Rick, uh, I'm kind of interested in how this, the mechanics of this works. So, um, do you, do people just contact you, you through their website or email you and then you meet with them once a week or how, how does that Zoom work? Meetings or yeah, how does Skype that work? or anything? Well, yeah, and, and that's that's a great question, and uh, especially with with the the onset of the COVID thing, it's it's actually moved me away from personal meetings, which is just fine because um, you know trying to go into an office, you know, I'm killing forty five minutes drive time um, to get to the office and and get back, and and uh, and you know I've found that that I can I can work on the phone, I can do a Zoom or Skype. And, you know, we can cover a lot of ground. Uh, then, you know, I, number one, I don't have all the transportation time, nor does the other person have transportation time. But it also allows me to work literally nationally. You know, I've got clients in Wisconsin, you know, and, 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 and we talk basically once a week. And that's, that's probably enough for the most part, because you need some time to digest what we talk about, then to implement the, you know, what we talk about. And it, it, it starts on a very basic basic level, you know, it, we, we sit down and figure out where you are right now, you know, what's going on, what are your, what problems are you having, you know, and then, then we kind of structure the plan from there, the process from there. And it's kind of unique for each individual, uh, but it, it still goes back to some fundamentals about becoming crystal clear about what you want in a relationship. And most people aren't. Most people that I, that I talk to um, can tell me everything they don't want. And when I say, well, what do you want? Well, I don't know. I want somebody that's honest. I want someone that's loyal. I want somebody that will love me. Well, okay, duh, who doesn't? You know, what, what specifics? You know, <laughs> if, if it were that simple, we'd all be with our soulmates right now. Yeah, they, wouldn't, also, they wouldn't need you there being the wingman for them, you know? So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it would, it, you know, yeah, everybody would be happily married, you know, live happily ever after, and, and we'd go from there. But we have to dig down and, and, and find out what they want. And it's not simply a matter of recognizing what you don't want and then flipping to the opposite because that that's – it just doesn't work that way. I mean, some things do, but there's a lot of things that – um, 
you know, and, and most people will tell you when they found the opposite of what they had, they're not happy with that either. So we have to dig down and, and, and again, go back to the basics and, and, and figure out exactly what they want, you know, and, and we can get specific as specific as the look that they want, you know, the color hair, the eyes, um, the build, uh, and, you know, some people will um, recoil at that and say, oh, you can't do that. That's too specific. You know, you're you're giving up spontaneity or serendipity or whatever it is. And I say, no, what you're doing is you're trying to find that extraordinary mate. You're trying to find that needle in a haystack. When When you're really specific, that's exactly what you need to be doing. I want everybody to have extraordinary. You know, I want everyone to have their soulmate. Um, you can't do it when, when number one, you you don't know what you want or you're not crystal clear about what you want. And you can't do that. You can't find that someone if you settle for less than extraordinary, which most of us do or most of us have. We start from the very basics and then work up from there. How long do you, like when you have somebody come into your uh, program, and you start coaching them, is it a process in which it, it begins at, you know, before they start dating somebody, they find somebody, and then once they get married, I mean, is it, is, do you find that your coaching services last a, is, is it a cycle or is it a, a, a process that is ongoing? How do you view uh, what you do? Generally, I try to I, I I try to make it a cycle that I you know you learn and, and I, I I teach you or I give you enough enough information um, to to be able to move forward on your own. I don't like I don't like dragging it out for months or years. Um, yeah, if you need to come back if you're struggling and, and you need to come back for a tune-up or a, you know a checkup. Great. Let's let's do that. But what I teach is is are, are some very, very uh, strong fundamentals that you should carry with you all the time. Now, if you get into a relationship and you're and you're and you're having some problems and, and want to talk. Yeah, I'm available to do that. But what I teach you, if you internalize what I teach and, and what I share these things should should almost become automatic for you. You know, it's like going back to the to the golf analogy. You, when you get your swing down, you don't need a lot of coaching. Every once in a while, you need to go in and get a tune-up. I mean, for the average golfer, I mean, if you're a professional, you're going to have that coach with you or be working with that coach every day, every week. But, you know, for, for the average person, you go in and get a tune-up every once in a while and say, you know, this isn't feeling right. What am I doing wrong? What kind of bad habits did I pick up? And that's kind of the way I work. You know, it's just we, we get the fundamentals down. And then if you have problems, we come back and figure out, we do a little tune-up and, and away you go. I like that idea. So many times I've talked to people that they've said things like, uh, well, I don't like this and I don't like that, but they can't tell you exactly what they do like. So. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, and that's, that's, why I go, that's why I keep harping on, on becoming crystal clear on what you want, making your, your must-have list and your deal-breaker list. And your must-have list, is comprised of the non-negotiable characteristics that you want in a relationship. And when I mean non-negotiable, I mean non-negotiable. If you have a list of 20 things, um, and I, I, I just throw that number out as a round number, 
and she has 19 of what you're looking for or uh, for ladies, if, if he has 19 of what you're looking for, 19 of the things you're looking for, the first word out of your mouth should be next. Wow. Because if, if, if you're accepting 19 out of 20, you're settling. And, it, and it's not, and, and none of the, the, the must-haves are any more important than the other. Um, they all, at least in my book, they all carry the same weight. And if, if, if you're missing one, you could be missing them all. Uh, that's a that's great, but my question on that would be, um, I don't know. To me, I think people sometimes settle. You would know this better than I do, but I would think that people would settle because they don't feel like they're they they feel like there's something wrong with them that there's something that's missing with them that they are they don't deserve somebody perfect. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly, and that's a lot of what I work with is is getting people to recognize that they are worthy, that they are. Um, they, they do deserve to have extraordinary. We all deserve to have extraordinary, but life in, 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 we all come from dysfunctional families and a lot of, you know, a lot of the stuff that we deal with, you know, comes from childhood, you know, how we, how we grew up uh, watching our parents, watching our, our, our extended families and how they interact. We grow up seeing that as normal and, and, um, almost nine times out of 10, it's dysfunctional. And, you know, so we, we sometimes have to, to go back and take a look at that. And I mean, if, and if somebody's really got deep emotional problems, then I, uh, then I recommend they find a counselor or a therapist to work with. But if, if, if we just have the normal everyday problems, if we're, if we're dealing with, with um, someone that's picked a couple of bad people or several bad people, you know, we just have to look at their, 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 their picking ability. And that's, that's another reason that it's important to develop your must have and your deal breaker lists, um, because then when you when you meet somebody and you're overwhelmed with infatuation and raging hormones and even great chemistry to a certain extent, you can use your list to step back and out of those out of the raging hormones and 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 infatuation and say, does he have this 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 and this? Does he have everything that I'm looking for? And you can start recognizing the red flags of toxic relations relationships or poor relationships early. You know, and and that's that's one of the biggest problems I see is you know, in addition to not being crystal clear about what you want in a relationship, you start dating and then you find somebody that has some really good characteristics. But then they've got a pile of crap over here that, that we have to deal with. And we don't want this pile of crap, but he has some great, great qualities. And you get sucked into, you know, sticking around for the great qualities and settling for, and, and I'm talking literally a, a year, two years, five years, I've talked to people. They've been in relationships and I said, well, and, and they'll tell me what's going on. And I said, well, are you happy? Is this the relationship you want to be in for the rest of your life? No then why are you still there? You know, that's, that becomes the question. Well, I don't want to hurt his feelings or, you know, and it's just, okay, let's, let's be an adult and let's move forward here. So and sometimes that's, that's the conversation we have to have. Well, it sounds like that too is where you're, they're staying in there because they don't have the self-esteem for themselves. They don't have enough. They don't have enough worth themselves. They don't feel they have enough worth. It, and a lot of it, uh, I just did a Facebook live about this uh, a couple of weeks ago about the stories we tell ourselves, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't deserve better, or this is the best that I can find. Or, um, 
or I won't find anyone better, or he treats me well. You know, any, any number of the stories that we tell, but deep down inside, we know it's the wrong relationship. And so we have to get past those stories that we tell ourselves. And, and, and most times it, it, it is just a story. You know, we can move past uh, the, the lower self-esteem just by changing, changing the stories that we tell ourselves, that, that you are worthy, that you do deserve better, and that extraordinary does exist. It's a little harder to find. You have to spend a little extra time doing it. But when you do find it, um, to a person, literally every, every extraordinary couple or soulmate couple that I've talked to has told me virtually the same thing, almost word for word that my mate has brought more to this relationship than I could ever have imagined. That's great. And it, I mean, it is to a person. They have all said that. So Rick, I got a question for you. I was thinking about this as you was talking about that. When I, my, uh, my uh, daughter who, uh, when she was two, she was a slow talker. And so we got a speech therapist in. What I didn't mm-hmm. know about speech therapy is that, the speech therapist does not evaluates the kid and teaches the parents. I had homework. I had all kinds of stuff. So basically, you do the work in order to help uh, teach the kid because this, mm-hmm. this therapist is only going to be there for an hour a week. You've got to want to learn and apply the coaching that you're uh, putting out. Do you find that most people, by the time they get to you, are ready to put in the work because anything worthwhile you have to put effort and work into in order to make it work. Well, that's a great question because um, uh, most are pretty most are very serious about it. But you can pretty well I, I can pretty well tell who's going to be really serious and do the work and who isn't. And it's it, it comes back from my from my financial planning days. Who's coachable and who's not? And what it boils down to, at least in the in the dating and relationship world, is if if they start telling me their story, and and I can I'll listen to it for about fifteen or twenty minutes, and then I can start laying out pretty much where they are and and what they need to do. And if they start coming back to me with yeah, but yeah, but. Yeah, but that tells me they're 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 not ready for serious coaching yet because they they have other details they have and I I've had one woman that was so frustrating I was on the phone with her for an hour and a half and it just got to the point at the end of the call I said Linda I'm sorry there's nothing I can do for you you want me to fix your boyfriend and not you. You know, you want, you want uh, some magic, want me to wave some magic wand over him so he'll treat you better. You know, I can't do that. You know, so that, that was, you know, 90 minutes of time invested and um, I'm guessing wasted because she wasn't going to listen to what I, what I recommended. So you have to be willing to do the work. You have to be willing to put in the effort, you know, just like an athlete, just like the speech therapist, um, you know, or the, the, the parent um, with a child that needs a speech therapist. You have to be willing to do the work because you're there. Um, you know, I can guide you. I had one client that, that he walked out, walked out of my office all fired up and ready to go, and he'd come back the next week. No, I didn't do it. Well, why not? Uh, just 
And so I, I eventually had to cut him loose because, you know, we'd, we'd meet once a month and, and he wouldn't do any of the things that I recommended. And, and, you know, we were just wasting our time and his money. Fear is strong sometimes too. It's uh it's uh, the fear of rejection. The, there's a lot of fear out there for people. I don't, I'm not saying that's what was going on, but it's crazy though. Yeah. That, that, and that's a, that is a huge factor, you know, fear, you know, fear of being rejected, of missing out, whatever it is. And, and, and again, most of these are just stories that we tell us, you know, if, and, and I always come back with, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? You know, how would, how would you proceed if you knew you couldn't fail? When you can instill that mindset in yourself, it becomes very, very powerful. And people will try almost anything to, to, to be able to move forward. So what, what would you say? I'm kind of interested along that line. Is, is, do you find the most successful candidates or the people that you coach, are they male or female? Are they younger or are they um you know a little bit older the who do you who do you have the most success with um generally the the most successful are the are, are people over age 40 um and nothing against nothing against younger folks the millennials things that i teach are 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 applicable from for anybody from 18 to 80 but i find the most serious ones are are 40 and above the ones that are back in the dating world again they've been married for 20 30 40 years and all of a sudden find themselves in a place they they had never expected to be and and many times through no fault of their own so that they they're diving back into the dating world and you know things have changed over the last 20 years i mean we've got texting we've got online dating sites we've you know there's instant messaging there's social media and all kinds of things that just weren't available 20 or 25 30 years ago and so that becomes overwhelming the other problem is that when people people get divorced or become widowed, they are uh, typically surrounded by married friends. Part of it is, is helping them to developing new circles of friends, single friends, so that, that they, can, they can start, for lack of better terms, marketing themselves in different circles. Because you know, you, it, it's great to have friends that are married, but after a while, it's, it's uncomfortable to be the third wheel. Everybody's coupled up except you. You know, it, it's you know, let's let's be real. You know, we all have that desire to to be with someone. So let's you know, let's put ourselves in a position to be able to meet other singles. And you can't do that when you're hanging around with couples. I wanted to get into something a little bit different. Uh, uh-huh. So I talked to you a little bit about this uh, before on the pre-interview, and I just wanted to I just wanted to get to it again. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, toxic relationships, they are different than toxic people? Well, I think they're, um, I think they can go hand in hand. And generally, if you're in a toxic relationship, the, the, the person you're with, if they're not toxic, it's probably you. Yeah. Uh, and how many so, people are going to admit to it, though? I really yeah, not wonder. too many. Yeah. You, know, there, you might get a few that will raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm the toxic one. I need help. But for the most part, the people that I work with are not the toxic ones. They may be damaged because of that, 
of because of that relationship. It I go back to having your must have and your deal breaker list because that way you can start seeing red flags very early on and start recognizing, you know, uh, code to, and and you need to you need to spend a little time discovering uh, what emotional immaturity looks like, what codependency looks like, what narcissism or narcissistic characteristics look like, or narcissistic traits. And because even if they're if if somebody's not a narcissist, if there's enough traits there, they can they can literally destroy you emotionally. And I've had several friends that have gone through those types of relationships. And it is very, very difficult when, when, when somebody has been beaten down verbally and emotionally, uh, it's, it's very difficult. It takes a very long time to come out of that black hole and to, to recognize that they do have worth. And a lot of times it's just a matter of repeating over and over and over again that they do have worth, that they are worthy of, of having a great relationship and showing them that they can be loved by other people. Uh, whereas, you know, in, in, a, in a narcissistic type relationship, they tell you nobody would ever want you. You're too old, you're too ugly, you're too stupid, you're, you know, whatever it is. You know, I've I've talked to a, a dear friend of mine was in one of those relationships and he tried to separate her from her 16 year old son. I mean, that's how that's how sick he was. He wanted her to come move down to his ranch and and her 16 year old son stay at home and take care of himself. And it's like, really, who would do that? But there are some sick people out there. That's definitely um, a red so flag. I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a glowing red flag. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it is. These people are so warped and so sick that they literally, literally will wrap you around their finger. And they think that, that you're so incompetent they, that, that you can't do anything on your own. You can't make judgments on your own. You can't decide for yourself that you need them. It is very, very difficult for people to break away. But once you do and start becoming healthy again, you you will see how toxic that relationship is. And it takes time to heal from that. And just like it takes time to heal from a divorce or, or, or loss of a spouse through death, um, it takes time to heal from those things. And especially for divorce, we've morphed and, and, and in a toxic relationship, we morph or we change to try to adapt to that relationship, to try to um, accommodate the other person. And what we end up doing is changing so much, so losing ourselves to the relationship. And that's another part of those toxic relationships that when we come out of them, it takes us a while to, to find out who we are and, and, you know, and, and get back to who we were before that relationship. So Rick, my thought is like, as, as you're going along and doing this, has culture impacted what you, what you see out of people at all? Well, I, my job hasn't changed dramatically over the last seven years that I've been doing this. But culturally, I've, I, I've seen huge changes. And, and I'm going back, you know, 50 years. Uh, when, I, when I first started dating, we had to call the girl by Wednesday for a date on Saturday. And I, you know, a couple of years ago, I was talking to, to a millennial, a young guy, he's in his early 30s. And he said, oh, my God, you had to do that? Really? And he said, yeah, now we just text somebody. And, and if I want to date with somebody, I text her and I say, hey, a bunch of us are going over here. Um, you meet us in two hours. 
and that's that's how they date. And you know, they and, and a lot of the one-on-one dating is gone. They group date, and so there's there's a lot of social there's a lot of social um, changes that way. Dating wise, I've seen I've seen some changes that you you don't people end up in bed far too soon. Although over the last six or seven years, I've seen a little bit of a shift. Um, when I first started doing this, the average the average time uh, the, that it took a couple to get in bed was five dates, and now it's eight dates. You know, by the eighth date, most couples are in bed. You know that's that's more of a positive shift, but even only eight dates. Come on, we we don't we don't know each other well enough, and odds are, you know, that you're going to sleep with someone, and then you're going to wake up and say, you know, and, and even if it's just a couple of weeks later, you have a couple more dates. It's like, oh my god, what did I do? <laughs> what you know? <laughs> and so, and 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 because it, it's it's it all becomes biological, especially for guys. You know, the clothes come off, and Katie bar the door. It's you know, <laughs> even the, if even if we know it's wrong you know, we're sitting no i shouldn't be doing this i should be running for the door come on let's go we're in the bedroom you know <laughs> and i don't want to blame media oh i do but um i just that's what we get that's what we see on tv that's what we see in movies these people go out to have sex they don't go out to have relationships and i think a lot of people don't feel that they're doing it right if that's not what they're doing well i think it's even more than that i think that our social media i for myself i have I, my, my attention span has become like a fly. You know, if I don't get information in five or 10 seconds or if things doesn't happen super quick, I'm having to work on like <laughs> concentrating on on stuff again, you know, because the social media has been, I mean, you know, you got a Twitter thing that happens instantaneously with so many characters. And and for me, at least I feel like my it's it's warped my sense of expectation. Well, and that's that's a really great observation because we do live in an immediate gratification society. And you can you can trace that all the way back to the 1950s with the advent of the TV dinner and then McDonald's and, you know, then then the cell phones and and, you know, just one thing after another, the social media, you know, you know, um, uh, 30 years ago, it was CNN when they first came or 40, 30, 35 years ago when CNN first came out, 24 hour news cycle, we can consume news all day long. (laughs) And now we can't turn it off fast enough. You know, it's just, but there are, there are news junkies, there are social media junkies and, and, you know, you take somebody's phone away or their computer or their laptop away and they go nuts because they, they feel disconnected from the world. But the problem is they, they're not developing real connections with people. You know, uh, you know, you talk about Twitter and you talk about texting, you know, it's so easy just to, to text uh, back and forth and not develop a, a real human connection. And that I truly believe is why we're seeing suicide rates go up with, with younger people because they have no real connection with people. And we are designed, God designed us to be in connection with others, to be in relationship with others. You know, so it's, it it's, you know, we have to get to a point where we can try to to become social and and this this uh, self isolation or this COVID nineteen thing isn't helping at all. And um, I was I was listening to some statistics in California. There's a doctor that says the suicide attempt rate has gone up 
like four times, you know, they've had in the last two months, they've had a year's worth of suicides and wow. suicide attempts, you know, it, and, and so our culture is just really screwed up from that perspective. Do you try to, when you're coaching people, do you coach them in a kind of holistic way? Are you trying to not only help? Cause one of the things that it sounds like to me, if you improve yourself through the way you interact with a, a plethora of people that'll not that that'll help you in dating as well as you know if you're like for me like i'm trying to step back from some of the social media uh because i feel like it's just made my attention span go to nothing and i hate that part of it and do you do you talk about like i mean or is that kind of a secondary thing or not really involved with what you're trying to do or? And, and, and that's all, that's part of it. You phrased it a little differently than I do, but um, to touch on your, your attention span. Yeah. I just heard a statistic that, that goldfish have more attention span than we do now. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, <laughs> I think a goldfish has an attention span of about eight seconds. We're down to about seven seconds. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, I try to do it more holistically because as we, as, as I work with people on helping them develop their must have list and their deal breakers, I also have them look at, at themselves because, you know, you have to figure out, are you the person you would love to date? And if there are issues, um, you know, if there are things that you want to work on, if you've got a temper, if you, if you want to be better at some facet of your life, well, now, is, if, especially if you're not in a relationship, now's a great time to work on it. You know, become a better you, become more interesting. Um, and one of the things that I, I always encourage people to do is continue to learn. You know, you know, what is your passion? What what kind of passions do you have? Do you want to play the guitar? Do you want to do you want to become a better golfer? Do you want to be a tennis player? Do you want to do you want to be a potter where they you throw a throw a lump of clay on and, and make a pot? Or, or what are your passions? Become more passionate about. It. Listen, read a book. Read a book a month. Um, the, the, one of the things that I found not only for myself personally, but in talking to clients and, and just people in general, one of the, one of the, the things that everybody's looking for, or most everybody that I work for is intelligence because intelligence is sexy. You know, it, it's, there's, there's almost nothing, you know, you can have looks, but if you have intelligence, Oh, the world is, is what, how does how's the saying go? The world is your oyster. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, absolutely. You know, and, and so uh, you need to continually be feeding your mind and, and feeding your mind good stuff. Um, read a good novel, read a good, read a good self-help book. Dating Backward would be a great one. That sounds uh, like a great book. <laughs> I've heard good things about that, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there are, the, the point is there are so many great books out there. Um, I, I have a lot of travel time every month. So I have Audible and I can finish at least one book a month on Audible, maybe two, just because of my driving. And one of the things I found for myself personally with all this crazy stuff going on right now, it's so easy to get depressed and run down and, and um, just have a really crappy negative attitude. I had to do, I had to pull myself up out of this, out of this funk I was in. It, some of it is as simple as standing straight up or sitting straight up, you know, head up, breathing deep, 
But, you know, you also have to fill your head with positive things. Turn the news off. Stop listening to, you know, talk radio. And, and don't misunderstand me. Talk radio is fine. But turn some of this stuff off because you get so depressed or so wound up. And, you know, and, and again, it goes back to the immediate gratification society. Turn on the radio and you can be filling your head with all kinds of crap. Yeah, I definitely uh, promote podcasts that, you know, are, are positive and have a good message, something like uh, True Fiction does. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and if you're driving, if you're if you're commuting podcasts, you know, True Fiction is a great, a great avenue to. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> what you're saying is it's so true. It's something that I discovered. Sadly, uh, you know, I discovered maybe 10 years ago that mm-hmm. um, you are the person that makes you feel whatever you what how you feel and putting it out and you're going to bring it back in. You just put out the good stuff. Be positive. And it, it's funny how things can flip around for you. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, and some of the some of the things that I try to teach you know, are just so basic. You know, uh, put a put a posty note on on your mirror so that you can read it every morning you are extraordinary and you deserve extraordinary you start with start with that simple mindset start off in the morning smile at yourself you know it it's and and you know just just a simple smile it it and and it's scientifically proven there's a physiological reaction that when you smile, whether you feel like it or not, your body changes, your mind changes um, because your mind doesn't know why you're smiling. You're just smiling and it reacts. And so, you know, you got to put a smile on your face and you, and, and it, and some of these things are just so simple, but these are some of the things I, I, I teach people that they need to do every day. But you we know, get so to... many messages. We get so many messages through uh, through TV and even driving down the road. You see these signs. They tell you that you're nothing if you don't have this product. And you talk yeah. to somebody that's like in a toxic relationship. This person's, you know, they're building a wall. And, uh, and it's hard for them to break through that wall and see what's going on. Like you said, you know, people get out of a relationship, a bad relationship. And it's almost like after a while, the fog lifts and they go, what in the hell was I doing? Exactly. And you you brought up the term wall. And that's one of the things that, that I help people do is break down the walls. Because when when we've been in, 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 in a toxic relationship or a couple of bad relationships, um, we build up these walls to protect our heart. And we have to recognize that it's these same walls that we build up to protect our heart are the same walls that keep out the love that we're looking for. So we have to chip away at, at, at those walls and bring it down to a level where, where people, where, where you can let people in and you have to be vulnerable. And, and I don't mean weak or, you know, let people take advantage of or abuse you. I'm talking about, you have to be willing to be hurt emotionally, you know, to get attached to someone. You, you have to, you have to get to that point for somebody to get in and to be able to love you. 
You know, I can't promise you that, that you won't get hurt along the way, but that's part of that's part of the human existence. That's part of dating and relationships. And that's part of what it takes to find that extraordinary mate. You know, you have to be open to being able to find your soulmate or your, your extraordinary mate. And I use those two terms interchangeably. Years ago, I, I said, ah, soulmates, there's no such thing. Uh, that's just a goony woman term that that. Yeah. And then I met someone. Yeah. They're soulmates. <laughs> you know, they, they, it, and, and for those of you that, that have never experienced a soulmate love, um, let me tell you, it is absolutely amazing. You connect on an intellectual, a spiritual an emotional and a physical uh, level. You, you develop those connections. Um, you typically will speak similar love languages. And then there's a chemistry. There's, and and it and it's not just you know love is is one thing love love ebbs and flows but there's a chemistry there there's a connection that goes deep into the soul of both of you that it just binds you together and it it makes you want to be a better person for your mate it, it helps the two of you enhance each other you know you're not there to tear each other down you're there to create an extraordinary relationship and when you find that and most people haven't. Probably uh, 85 to 90 percent of couples have never experienced that. And that's why I think it's so important to do all this work up front. You know, get coaching, get uh, read books, you know, figure out what's right for you and find that soulmate and be patient. Don't just dive in if, because you're lonely or because um, you want to have someone in your life. Then that you're dating from a position of weakness then. And and I'm not, and, and I, I use that term endearingly because I don't want you to date from weakness. I want you to, to be, number one, you, you've got to date from a position that you're happy with yourself. You're happy with your own company. You know, I, I'm happy, you know, I, I can come and go as I please, and, and but I would truly love someone to be in my life. I'm not going to give up my happiness just to have someone, you know, just to, just to settle for someone. You know, I'm, I'm happy enough as it is. I could be happier with someone, but, you know. <laughs> the <I'm>, right one. <laughs> the right one, exactly. Yeah. And, but, you know, I'm not settling for less than extraordinary. I'm not settling for less than my soulmate. I, you know, you talk a lot about a relay. Um, you, you, you say your relationship coach, and I think that's awesome. But you talk a lot about dating. Do you talk to a lot of people that are married and that uh, they want a little help too? I, I do, but generally, when I find that I can work with one person or the other, you know, whether they're in a relationship or they're married. Um, I can work with one or the other. If 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 both of uh, both of you need to come in, I'll send you to counseling or therapy because generally by that time there's so much going on and and so much digging and that needs to be done that 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 a counselor or a therapist are going to get way down into the weeds and did you hate your mother? Did you hate right. your father? And you know that kind of thing and and they will dig up stuff and emotions that that I don't deal with and I I've I've made the conscious decision not to go there. Gotcha. So I got a question for you, Rick, that's a little bit more on you. And Uh my question is, do you consider what you do more of an art or science? I'm, I'm interested in how you view what you do. My answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so how's that? Um, there is there is science and there is art. Um, a lot of you know there's there's a lot of statistics that back up the things that I teach, but it's also an art. I believe I've been blessed with gifts that that God has given me to to uh, of discernment and wisdom. And, and a perfect example of that is, you know, as I was learning about myself, and I was just solely learning about myself, but about 10 or 12 or 15 years ago already, people would just walk up to me. And, you know, if I was, especially if I was uh, alone, you know, if I was just sitting at a bar having a drink, people would sit next to me. I wouldn't know them. They wouldn't know me. And they'd start spilling their guts about their relationship. And I soon recognized that everything I was learning about me applies to literally everyone else. And they give me, they talk for 10 or 15 minutes. And I say, okay, this is what's happening. And this is what you got to do. And whether they, you know, at that time, whether they followed it or not, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know who, who follows the drunk in the bar? You know, it wasn't me. It wasn't guaranteed it, back then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But it, it, but there, there is some science behind it. You know, some psychology. Some I study a lot of trends and and what's happening. But there, there is, there is some art to it. You know, being able to recognize the problems or the issues that people are having and and doing it quickly without having to dig. Communication is an art. Listening is an art. And I think I've I've been blessed to be able to recognize. You know. Uh, People use words for uh, for a reason, uh, whether they realize it or not. Their words will betray their heart, their, their their thoughts, and so you know I'm blessed to be able to recognize a lot of that. And and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people out there that 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 can do that. It's a combination of art and science. And I think that follows from the financial planning stand. You know, as as a former financial advisor. That was the same thing. There's a lot of technology. There's a lot of a lot of science behind it, but then there's also a lot of art in in being able to create a portfolio for a client. So it just I just morphing into dating and relationship coaching has uh, just followed a lot of the processes I already knew. I, I love to hear that because uh, you, the true fiction is really about. Um creativity and how we handle things. And a lot of it is about the process, about how, how we undertake certain things. And it's, it's in an artistic pursuit because there's different ways to present that information to people. It is. It, and, and a lot of it is presentation and I'll be, <laughs> I'll be, I can be pretty blunt with people. Um, I had, and, and this was before I got into coaching, I've had several clients in tears. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, a friend of mine, it, it, we go way, way back, and she was on on social media complaining about her current boyfriend and, you know, why she can't find, you know, a good guy and yada, yada, yada. And we we ended up having a, a conversation, and I she was telling me how she dumped this guy and he keeps calling and she she would tell him off and, you know, what a jerk he is. And I'm using I'm using polite terms <laughs> here. And I said, well, why do you keep talking to him? Well, because he keeps texting and texting and calling. Well, the first thing you do is you stop you stop communicating. You you delete the number. You 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 block him on social media. You know, if you want to end a relationship, end it. You know, and and the point of this story is I told her to delete phone numbers of guys that would pop in and out of her out of her life for for no reason other than that they were lonely and and they were looking for a little action. What I ended up telling her is is delete all those numbers, block them and delete them and and move on. 
and and she was in tears listening to this because I was I was really brutal with her. She messaged me and texted me the next day. She said I deleted twenty three phone numbers. Wow. And I mean, because that's how many how many relationships she was trying to, in some way, shape, or form, hang on to. When you when you're going to end a relationship, when you're going to walk away, end it, move on, um, and and go through the emotions. Don't try to block the emotions. If you're going to be hurt, you're going to be hurt. If you're going to cry, you're going to cry. Um, don't try to block any of that stuff. Just block the other person. And you have to remember the 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 minute they try to text you, the minute they call or leave a message, and you answer, you open up the door for additional communication, and you get sucked back in it all over again, and you have to start healing all over again when you when you break it off, and so that's that's probably one of the one of the toughest things that we have to deal with, so or that I have to deal with. So I, my final question is, is again on what you do. And I was thinking about this, like you've, you've done a, uh, you know, you've, you know, your material in and out and like, how do you, what do you think is the most important thing that you've done in terms of building your brand? And like, I think of somebody that goes from one field to another and go, you know, I just feel like I feel passionate about this. And, but I don't know how to go from this to something that is not, you know, this comfortable place. And is there something that you would say, okay, this is what I would recommend you do in order to make yourself successful going out into this, maybe a, a less clear endeavor, if you know what I'm saying, because I yeah. think there's a lot of, of people that are in your shoes in the sense that they are doing one thing, but they got a passion for something else. And they're like, how do I get from where I'm at to a success trust that is sustainable and moves me where I think I need to be? That's an, that's an excellent question because my field is relatively unique. I, I mean, I'm not the only one doing it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I've got connections with with dating and relationship coaches and life coaches all over the country. First of all, you have to, just like the relationship you want, you have to be crystal clear about what you want to do. Um, you don't have to be clear about how to do it. There are plenty of mentors out there. There are plenty of podcasts. There are plenty of resources. And um just for me personally, I follow uh, a, a young lady by the name of uh, Amy Porterfield. I follow another guy by the name of Rick Mulready, who's who does um, uh, Facebook advertising. Uh, uh, Amy Porterfield helps you create, helps teach you how to create courses and build your email list. There's another gal that I follow a little less, but I bought a couple of her courses. Marie Forleo, she's great about teaching you about business. Um, there's another guy that I follow, uh, Don Miller, Donald Miller, creating you know, business and, and more along the lines of marketing. There's, there's a plethora of information on how to enter your field. Um, find if, if, if you're entering a field where there's a lot of people, find somebody who's successful and mentor what or either try to try to get them to mentor you or uh, you watch what they're doing, and, and if you get the opportunity, pick their brain and figure out how they got started. 
so there's there's a lot of great information out there, and and um, then you know always be open to new connections. You know, I met somebody on uh, just through uh, Facebook which led me to somebody, which led me to you guys. So it's developing connections in, in, in social media. And it, and it's not necessarily business related connections. It could be just people you talk to and they say, Oh, I'm doing this and this. And, and uh, you know, join business groups, any, anywhere you can, you can spend time getting to know business, especially if you've not been in business uh, for your own, if you've worked for somebody else and you've not had to take the leadership role in in what you're doing. Uh, for a lot of people, this is a scary step. For me, this is a God-driven mission. And um, when and, and I've had people ask me after a 21-year career in financial planning, uh, didn't aren't you nervous? Not at all. It's been a long journey. Don't misunderstand me. It's you know, have I made a lot of mistakes? Absolutely. But I've been blessed to be able to to work through it and build. But, you know, finding mentors, finding, and, and, and a lot of these things um, you can find at little or no cost. Um, but, you know, the, you know there, and, and I have to caution you, a lot of things will just scratch, you know, the, the free things will just scratch the surface of, of, what you need to know. So sometimes you have to invest in a course. Sometimes you have to, you have to invest in yourself to be able to build, uh, to be able to build your business, to be able to build your practice, whatever it is that you're trying to do. But if you have a passion for something, and I was just talking to a, to a gal um, Friday that, uh, and, and she has a passion uh, for, for, uh, she thinks she has a passion for tutoring, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about, you know, my steps and, and what, what she needs to do, but she's tired of doing what she, what she's doing and she wants to step out and, and follow her passion. So, um, and if you've got a passion, I truly believe that's, that's a gift from God. So you got to stop ignoring it. You know, <laughs> you can only put him off so long. <laughs> Absolutely. How many weddings have you went to? I've, I've, I've I not should say, gone to the wedding. how many weddings have you been invited to? Um, none. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not in the, not since I've been doing this, not since I've been doing this. Um, but I get notices that, that, that clients are getting married or, or, you know, they, they found their soulmate and, and, and a lot of those are, are for extenuating, extenuating circumstances. Um, if I've, if I, I've had had several that, that have gotten married and and if they if if their spouse or their their new spouse knew uh, understands that I'm a, a relation, dating a relationship coach they kind of back off you know they they kind of get intimidated sure. you know it's even hard for me to date sometimes because <laughs> you know they say I'm a, I, when I say I'm a dating coach they say oh <laughs> and I can, I can, and that I can, I can kind of judge where the relationship or, you know, where things are going to go is if, if somebody bursts out laughing, yeah, then I, then I'm pretty sure we're not going anywhere. <laughs> and, or if I get somebody that's fascinating, tell me more. Yeah. And then, you know, we've got, we've got a basis to build something on. So you know, you, I, I got, think you should just keep a scorecard in your pocket to hand them to them, you know, go here, we're keeping score tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say if you if you want to 
uh, if you have a relationship that you know is not going anywhere, just pull out a, a towel, you know, say, I'm a relationship coach, a note, uh, notepad and a pencil and start writing on it. And then they'll be like, I'm out, I'm out. Exactly. Yep. I'm out. You know, this, this isn't going anywhere. So, Hey Rick, this has been a lot of fun. You've been a pleasure to talk to. We're going to have to wrap it up here. You are Rick Sotobier and you can find Rick at uh, ricksotobier.com. It's R-I-C-K-S-O-E-T-E-B-I-E-R.com. Dot com. Guys, check out his book, Dating Backwards, by Rick Sotobier and Penny Dunning. Like I said, it's really been a lot of fun talking to you. Um, uh, hopefully, we will get to talk again one of these days. Absolutely. Whenever, you, whenever you're ready, whenever you want, I'm always, I'm always up for, for a good conversation. So, Thank right, you, Rick. Guys. Have a good one. Thanks. You guys, too. Have a great week. Bye-bye. You, too. Thanks for hanging out with us on the True Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please visit us at Facebook. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. Until next time, stay true and stay creative. You're too late.